Hi there and welcome to Tater Talk. I'm your host, Taylor. For those of you new to Tater Talk, we are a group of streamers dedicated to providing a space where new or aspiring streamers can share their stories and struggles so that we can all learn and grow together. With us today is our guest, Lady Goggles, to talk with us about uh, a lot of different topics. Um, actually, I'm going to bring you in here on the channel, uh, slide you in here, and there you are. You are a streamer who uh, does not use a camera. We're just going to use your avatar, but you are on the channel. Say, uh, say hello. Good afternoon, everybody. How are we doing? I'm doing great, and I'm sure everybody in chat, if you are in chat, give us a little shout out and say hello to us. So... Uh, why don't we get started with with who you are? Why don't you tell me a little bit about um, who you are and what you do in streaming and what you uh, put out in the world and, and what you hope to um, how you hope to make the world a better place on uh, the internet? Yeah, absolutely. So, hi, I'm Joan, aka Lady Goggles. Um, gosh, a bit about me. Well, I'm originally from New York City, uh, born and raised in Brooklyn. Nowadays, I live in Western New York with my husband and my two roommates and my roommate's cat. Um, I've been streaming for a little over a year. I just celebrated my one year anniversary a couple of days ago. And um, congratulations! Thank you. Thank you very much. And God, you know, like I'm, I'm still trying to find what makes my stream unique um one of the things that i do like to do is um i have a bit of a byline that i use at the end of every stream um is it okay to curse i don't want to i don't want to assume uh yeah uh, <laughs> let's you know what this is my first time hosting the uh podcast so let's hold off on the cursing but uh, All right. if i had a bleep button i would definitely use it but uh gotcha uh, let's let's hold off on this one so my 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 byline is do no harm but take no s um, I think it's very important to use uh, Twitch as a means of escapism, but at the same time, uh, treating other people on the platform with compassion, with respect, especially if you suffer with, um, or live with rather, any mental health or physical health problems. Um, and it's also just as important to recognize when uh, people are taking advantage of you or when people are um, combative or argumentative just for the sake of doing so so my whole shtick so far has been hey this is a welcoming space let's try to be as as kind and compassionate and adult because it's, i have a mature rated channel but at the same time um i'm not gonna put up anybody's bs so um that's what i try to cultivate and uh just a place where we can talk about uh politics we can talk about mental health we can try to reduce the stigma around all of these serious topics and uh, do so in a way that's both welcoming and shunning to people who just want to come in and stir the pot for the sake of stirring the pot. Um, hopefully that's a roundabout answer. <laughs> no, no, that, makes, that, that totally makes sense to me. I think it's a matter of going, you know, especially in this world of online streaming where it's so easy, it's so easy to be cynical and it's so easy to... Um, go to a negative place to pull in viewership. I think mm. going to a positive place um, sometimes feels hard to do uh, mm. in an internet space. Um, do you have any feelings about um, the difference between creating a positive space and a negative space and perhaps what it does for audience retention and audience engagement? Well, I have to admit that I'm still learning the audience retention bit. Um, my average viewers aren't great so far, but that's because I'm, I'm still learning and improving. But what I can say, at least to what, my, what I've experienced, is that there are 
plenty of Twitch streamers who, if you go into their chat, it's just constant toxicity, whether or not it's part of, of that particular streamer's culture, or they and their mods aren't stepping up and doing something about it, whatever the reason is, it's just constant toxicity. So I think it's important, and this is where um, a lot of Ashney's uh, advice came into play, where you establish a set of values and go, look, this is what the stream is about. We're here to have fun. We're here to have a little bit of escapism from our day-to-day -day life. But this is what I stand for. And if you have a problem with this, there's literally tens of thousands of other streamers that you can go and watch if you're going to be toxic. Um, it takes a, a strong uh, sense of character to, to speak up. And it's something that I'm still learning how to do when somebody comes to the chat and be toxic. Like, hey, dude, you know, like, or hey, ma'am, like, that's not cool here. That's not what we're about. Um, it's also about having a strong moderating team who that you uh, you train and that you trust to go, hey, X, Y, and Z is, you know, purge, this, this, and this is an insta-ban. I don't want this stuff in my chat. So I think the big thing about cultivating positivity is having that strong set of values, or if you want to call them rules, you know, whatever you like. I like Ashney and uh, she calls them values, and making sure that you abide by that. Um, even with people that may have been... Um, say financially supportive or maybe they're helping with subs or they gifted you a game or something um that's something that a lot of newer streamers i notice are hesitant to do where um somebody will come in and like drop a huge tip or uh drop a bunch of subs but they're really toxic in chat and it's like you gotta you gotta let that go like appreciate the support thank them for what they did tell them that you don't want that toxicity if they keep doing it get them out it's not worth it so it's it's all about having the the strength of character, and it's hard because I'm non-confrontational to say, "Hey, I don't want this in my chat." And the more you do that, the more you cultivate people who appreciate that and will come back because they'll see that you're actively trying to dissuade toxicity in the chat. So uh, it's just about having yourself and having a good mod team and working in, in coordination with each other to make sure that toxicity doesn't happen. Yeah, and I also think that there's sometimes this mentality of all or nothing and i think it certainly happened when i came into twitch or any of these other streaming platforms is you see streamers who have hundreds and hundreds of viewers maybe even thousands of viewers and you go oh those are the only ones that are worthwhile because they have the mass and mm -hmm. as you kind of discover the medium more you start to understand you know it's it doesn't have to be this all or nothing mentality trying to serve so many masters is that when you serve many masters you end up serving none exactly. um, and and so building a community that operates around you it's not worth the time to try and get somebody who's not going to be a worthy asset to your community that they have to then self-select themselves out um if uh if it's not a match you know mm -hmm. Um, and I've I've yeah. had plenty of people not to interrupt. I've had plenty of people come in, and you know they they we got along really great, and they've left the channel for whatever reason. Now whether that was because they just didn't like my content anymore, or they they had stuff going on in their lives, or whatever. Like that's great. You can have temporary friendships, and you know Twitch is very volatile. You know people come and go. It's just the nature of the platform. But at the same time. Um, something that you brought you just brought up is very true like there's the, you know all these masters like there is no way in hell that you can please every single person 
on Twitch. It's just not going to happen. That's why it's so important for you to figure out, and that I'm still in the process of learning, what you are about and what you can offer. Because not everybody's going to like you. You know, not everybody's going to like your content, and nor should they. People are so varied in their tastes and their preferences that there's no way that you can cater to every single you know person that is a user on twitch but um the more strength of character that you have and you can say hey you know what this is who i am if you don't like it there's the door i i think that is like i said earlier part of what you can do to to cultivate the type of community that you want right but that's also the 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 function of art too is that art art is meant to polarize and mm -hmm. You know, you, you get into big trouble when, once again, you try to make everybody happy. Um, mm -hmm. And then the art suffers because of it, because you don't get to be authentically you. Yeah, um, exactly. And, and uh, that's why, you know, for me, uh, when I see a community that is... Uh, oh, I have my alerts still on. Um, when I see... Uh, that's Fran Drescher behind me. Um, <laughs> and if you're listening to this on audio, you you got to see it on the podcast. Uh, so see it on the stream. Um and oh hello and another one um so anyway uh I, I think that's the big thing is finding a community that works for you and people who um uh, uh finding a community that works for you and figuring out who those people are going to self-select in it and those who aren't and if they aren't going to be there and they're not going to be positive to your community then it's like let them go find their other community because once again i i subscribe to the idea that it is not a zero-sum game exactly i agree so tell me a little bit about um the streaming that you do and, and what type of content you put out oh sure so when i first started streaming back uh last year january oh my god i still can't believe it's been a year um i started with fallout new vegas um it's probably like in my top five games of all time and i was like well i want to play a game that i know that I can sit and talk about um, and, you know, just basically pontificate at length about. So I started... Yeah, and, and people are that. crazy about that game. They are, they are evangelists for that game. They think it's, it's like so one of the good. best fallouts, yeah. It's, it's and, you know, I know there's, there's, you know, a big opinion, you know, between Obsidian and Bethesda. Yeah, you know, that's we can talk about that forever. But um, it's it's one of my favorites. Just, oh, it's so good. And then the mod support behind it over at the Nexus especially, it's it's fantastic. So I modded the game, and I'm like, let's go ahead and start playing. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. I was streaming at, like, 360p or something. Wow, wow. <laughs> lag everywhere. I had no clue. I actually, I originally started streaming because my husband works third shift. And between that and I was like, okay, you know what? I'm tired of being just like a housewife with this, you know, bachelor's degree in media production behind me. I'm not really doing anything with it. I'm going to make a YouTube channel. And then that's morphed into a Twitch channel due to a friend of my husband's um, showing me Twitch and introducing me to other streamers. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. I could do this. And I don't have to edit, which is great. <laughs> so, yes, editing takes the longest time whenever oh, you're trying to do video content. God, tell me about it. Like, I've, I've made a film, which I'll talk about later because it, it has to do with uh, topics we'll discuss later. But uh, I love editing. It just takes up a lot of my time. Um, so long story short, uh, I got into streaming video game content and that was my, my big bread and butter for a while. Um, and I learned how to improve. Like now I've got like a dual monitor system and I, I, we're streaming in 720. It's not 360 anymore. And, um, nowadays I've sort of evolved to do a little bit of everything. So, um, we're still doing video game content. I like doing RPGs. We played through 
uh, Dragon Age Inquisition. We played through Jade Empire. Um, uh, we're working our way slowly through uh, the Dot Hack GU series. We play indie games. I do creative now because I'm more confident of uh, drawing on stream, even though I'm not the best artist out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, I've even done uh, tarot readings on stream, and I, I might do that like once a month, depending on um, depending on what my community wants. Yeah. So it's it's a little bit of everything. Still trying to find out what my what my focus and what my niche is, but it's a lot of fun. And and that's also part about you know I think people go okay I'm going to go on Twitch and now I'm going to build this mass audience in like a month and and part of the the work of of creating content is having to figure out what works and what doesn't, and it takes time to build that up. Mm, it um, really does. And when I when I started streaming, I was like, oh, you know, I'll, I didn't expect anybody <laughs> to be honest, because you know, I'm in I'm in my thirties. I I don't have any expectations of grandeur like the larger streamers either got it because of you know really high exposure or they knew somebody in the business so and that's like any any field that you happen to be in so I, I had no expectations going in um so the fact that I have the community that I have now it's it just blows my mind like oh wow these people stay and they come for my content what the <laughs> what yeah, <laughs> well that's you know it's 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 like you're building a relationship online with these people that you don't know and then they like your content and they appreciate you and and it's kind of goes to show you that as the niching of content has grown um there's more available audiences for things that are very specific to them Mm -hmm. um so now you have a very interesting um thing that you came to talk about today and and you actually uh wrote a dissertation on this but you, uh, in my notes here, it says um, you wrote a whole dissertation about the re- representation of women in gaming and harassment in gaming. Uh, and, <laughs> right? Is that is that correct? It, it was, uh, just to, to clarify, it was a bachelor's thesis. It wasn't a dissertation. I haven't gotten that far yet. Okay, well, when you get that, when you get the next one, <laughs> come, come hit me up again. But, uh, yeah, when I was, I graduated college in, in 2015, Okay, uh, hold on. Let, let me just hold you right now. While Lady Goggles is talking, I do have the question queue open. If you have any questions at any time, just hit exclamation queue, your question, and I'll make sure to get to it at the end. Um, but that question queue is open. And without further ado, back to you, Lady Goggles. Tell me about you. All right, let me just crack my knuckles. <laughs> yeah. Get all my, my sources up. And... All right, so um, I went to school for media production. And I am somebody who, like, I've, I'm, this is no exaggeration. I have been gaming since I was, like, a toddler. Like, mm. my earliest memories consist of me sitting with my grandfather on the coffee table and watching him play Super Mario Brothers on the NES. I, gaming is, is the one hobby that I've done consistently throughout the entirety of my life. That's no, that's no, like I said, no exaggeration. Mm-hmm. Um, but as somebody who is a woman, who identifies as a woman, who gender expresses as a woman, um, there has been, a steady increase in not just the awkward representation of women in gaming, which I'll, I'll touch on in a minute, but also um, harassment of women. So for my my bachelor's thesis, this happened um, right after Gamergate, which is huh, let's I, let's not you know what if you want to know yeah. about Gamergate, go to Wikipedia or whatever, figure yeah. it out. Uh, it's a big it's a big burger it's a thing yeah it's a thing yeah so but with that happening and this was happening right around when i needed to decide what i was doing for my uh my last year of college i was like huh let me try to do as much of a deep dive as i can being a bachelor's thesis 
um, into it. So I made a uh, paper called Geek Gatekeeping, No Girls Allowed. And I also made a uh, short 12-minute documentary film to accompany the paper called The Gender Glitch. And in it, I explored, in both of these things, I explored ways in which um, representation of women were occurring in video games, harassment of women, um, a possibility in which the two were linked, and how people were um, interpreting that and going from there. So um, I don't know if you're familiar with the idea of uh, cultivation theory. No, please uh, enlighten me. I'm, I'm here to be enlightened. <laughs> I don't know about enlightened, but I, I, can, I can share and then you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. Yes. So in, in, to, like, to TLDR it, cultivation theory was originally a theory based on television. And the gist of it was that the more images that we saw in media that were repeated again and again, the more we thought that it mirrored what real life was. So for the sake of example, um, on television, most of the female protagonists that we see, or even just female characters as a whole, they tend to be thin, young, white, and uh, typically very conventionally attractive. Um, now, the majority of people, of women on Earth, don't fit those criterion. But all we see in the media are thin, young, white, conventionally attractive. So when we're would you say those hit- would you say those conventions are dictated also dictated to us by the media? It's like a recursive there, loop, you know what I mean? It, it, there's definitely a, a feedback loop that goes on between what's culturally accepted and what we show in the media. Like there's mm. there is there's absolutely a connection between that. I, I would argue. Yeah. Um. So the where what cultivation theory says is that um, when that is all that we're seeing, that's what we expect, in this case, beauty to be. Um, So when the majority of women in in real life don't match up with thin, young, white, or conventionally attractive, that influences how we treat those women. So um, again, this is just an example of women. Um, We can look at the way um, fat or obese people are treated in the media most of the time again this is just an example to illustrate um when you see a fat or obese overweight whatever you want to say person in media usually they're slovenly they're stupid they're lazy they're not really dressed properly and those are all the representation that we see and then when we see somebody who's again fat obese you know insert your word here in real life those um characteristics in media tend to uh make us believe that this is how fat people act in real life. So I'm not saying that's, that's hundred percent the cause, but it's definitely a major influence on how we treat people. That it's a, Um, it's a, it's like a loop of, of we see something in the media and it creates this narrative of it being true. And then when we experience mm -hmm. the world, real world, our expectation is, you know, our first or second impression of it. Is that right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So let me um, see if I can pull up my paper here. Um, I just I'm looking for the specific like so I can give you numbers instead of well. Just, you while know, you pull up that fight. paper, I'm another uh, remind the the, uh, the the group out here um, in chat. Uh, first of all, if you want to give me a follow, hello, how you doing? If you want to give Lady Goggles a follow, give her a follow. Um, and also, if you do have any questions about anything she's talking about, the question queue is open. Just type command. Uh, sorry, uh, exclamation Q. You can enter in that question. And uh, we'll get to your question soon. So uh, I'm going to give you some more time to find that paper. Let me know when you get it. I've got the numbers here, yeah. Yeah, okay. So now I wrote this paper back in 2015, so some of the stats might be a little outdated as a heads up. Um, So let's go to – there was a paper, uh, 2009 study, 
uh, it's a small sample size. They picked 74 male university students and they were randomly assigned to play either a sexually explicit game or one of two control games. The game in question that was sexually explicit was Leisure Suit Larry Magna Cum Loud. Oh, great. And, uh, oh. Yeah, if, if you know anything about the Leisure Suit Larry games, it's pretty much all about sexuality, objectification of women, etc. Yeah. So one of the main hypotheses of the study was that um, individuals who played a sexually charged video game with female characters as sex objects uh, would display increased uh, self-reported tendency to sexually harass people. So the study found that playing a sexually charged video game for merely 25 minutes um, resulted in a self-reported tendency to engage in inappropriate sexual advances towards women. Wow, 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 wow. Just for 25 minutes. Mm. Um, and here's... And, and that's, it, it, was in, it was encouraging. Yeah, because uh, the whole point of, again, with the Legion of Berry games is to treat women as sexual objects to be conquered, Right. So, um, just, and you, you would think, well, it takes longer exposure. No, again, it was just 25 minutes. And the fact that it took so little time to then turn around and say, yeah, I guess I would, you know, engage in inappropriate sexual advances because you know, that's, to me, that's, that's, that's very telling. Mm -hmm. Um, another study, again, this is 2007, um, two, they looked at 255 video game covers um, over two-thirds of the female characters were represented in either, like, stereotypical gender roles or were the objects of, uh, subject of objectification. And that's opposed to only 10% of the men. Like, that is a huge, huge difference. Um, and they were, they found that, like, in general, when we look at video games as a whole, again, this is 2005 study, or excuse me, 2007 study, um, males were more likely to be, you know, heroes, main characters, you know, protagonists, whereas women were more likely to be supplemental characters. Um, more comparisons, men used more weapons, had more abilities, they were more muscular and powerful, whereas women were, tended, they tended to be written as helpless or attractive sexy innocent they definitely wore more revealing clothing so all of this is saying that although we've had progression in uh positive female representation um a lot of gaming still sees women as um objects as as trophies to be won just for sake of of you know being succinct so when all we're seeing is if, if the majority of what we're seeing for women in gaming is like this is an object to be won this is a sexual object this is something i have to claim and we're getting that again and again and again my theory is that cultivation theory is saying hey um this is part of what is leading to such an uptick in harassment towards women because if we're treating women in the games that we consume this way what's to stop people from treating women in real life this way and that's that's my my big posit Got it. Um, do you think it's getting better? Yes and no. Um, I say yes because there's at least a lot more um, awareness of it these days. After, And I, I'm not getting into a deep dive in Gamergate, like I said, because we'd be here all the week. But I think after Gamergate and some of the more prolific women in... Um, Anita in the Sarkeesian? Community. So yeah, we're talking like your Anita Sarkeesian, yeah. your Brianna Wu. Joey Quinn's, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Leah Alexander and so on. Um, I think more people were open, like their eyes were open to what was going on and seeing like, hey, this is what women have to deal with. But at the same time, I mean, 
we can go back just as 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 you know like the whole ellie situation that just happened in overwatch uh a couple of weeks ago um there is there are still women dealing with sexism i mean i i follow yeah I'm, I'm a big twitter user and it seems like almost every day i'm seeing you know harassment going on as a matter of fact um there's a uh, a streamer a cipher of tear um she's a wonderful streamer she uh, does a lot of work in the poc community um and she has been getting harassed for a month from one particular user and um his friends or their friends whomever and twitch hasn't done anything about it like um as far as i know like they're calling her racial slurs because she's she's uh she's black and uh they've just been harassing her nonstop. and despite all the pleas that she's done with twitch and talking with twitch they haven't done anything about it so there is definitely like although awareness has increased and we're trying to be better as a community there is still a lot of work that we need to do to curb tail harassment it's it's ridiculous um do you do you have any information and this is just me pontificating and thinking sure. about data um is demographic of these type of people because my my assumption is that you have a lot of young male people in the internet world who are still and, and this is by the way this is not absolve them this is not to absolve them of guilt but they have a lot of young men in the internet world who are kind of not ready for prime time it's like we you know we we we, we continue especially on the internet we live our lives now in public and mm. i think for me growing up as a cishet white male thank you um is you know i would do stupid stuff when i was 13 14 and i look back on it and i go wow what a what a you know awful awful stuff and i've i've experienced that um mm. and, and it's kind of going like okay how can we get to people sooner because now we're living so out in the open as well um and and it's it's kind of shining light on the problem that it's never been shined on before. And I also, you know, my, my hypothesis is that because we're living out more in the open, um, there has been more advances in equality and inclusivity because uh, it's now being shown. Um, but do you think there's anything to my hypothesis that, you know, a lot of it is is kind of stupid young kids who are not smart about um you know about living online and 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 how we as creators can help cultivate environments for them to go hey that's not okay that that um this is how you can be a decent human being yeah well i think a lot of it is going to you, you want to start when you're young, right? And I'll, I'm, I'm going to put a pin in that for just a second. Um, I'm looking at the recent ESA statistics from last year, so, you know, 2018. The average gamer is 34 years old, and the average male video game player, 32. Mm -hmm. So when we break things down by statistics, only 17% of male gamers are under the age of 18. Mm. That accounts for 39% of people who are 18 to 50 plus who are in this larger male demographic. Right. So we need to stop looking at it. I think part of it is we need to stop looking at it as, oh, it's just kids being stupid. Yep. Because there are plenty of people who are older. As a matter of fact, um, let me see if I can pull up 
this one website just for the sake of sure. example. And while you so pull up that website, I'll let everybody know the question queue is open. Uh, I know some of you are joining us in the middle. Um, hit that exclamation point queue if you got a question. Uh, we got a few in already. Uh, and once again, if this is Lady Goggles over here. I'm so glad I mirrored my camera so now I can point in the right direction. That's Lady Goggles over here. You can give her a follow on her channel. And of course, if you're here, you can give me a follow as well. So check out that uh, check out that website you're talking about. So the website's called Not in the Kitchen anymore. It was created by a female gamer who would take uh, recordings and Xbox messages and all sorts of stuff that she would get about harassment and all this stuff. And it's just pages and pages and pages and pages. And the majority of these these uh, audio transcripts, they're not little kids. They're grown men. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think that has to do with... and and. I know people have sort of polarizing ideas about like SJWs and whatever, but the the point is is that like there there is something to be said about the concept of toxic masculinity. Nobody's saying that you can't enjoy masculine things like yes. you know chopping trees or or enjoying back a beer with your friends, playing football, whatever. The problem and is is when you take masculinity and you assume things like men can't have emotions, uh, men can't express themselves like like women can otherwise you're seen as as a you know the the p word for lack of a but i don't again right. i don't want to elaborate um you you know men can't sit and have a show you know be you know instead of being the shoulder to cry and being the person who cries like this is you know examples of toxic masculinity and we start teaching this stuff really young to our kids mm -hmm. so i i think part of it is saying hey you know it's okay to express this sort of thing it's okay to you know like to talk about emotions and to hash it out and to not encourage things like you know like boys fighting against each other and, and like li literally fighting um and things like that because that's that's i think when you start there it'll it'll start cultivating a society that's a little more kind now as far as these adults who are acting this way Part of it is just like be better, dude. <laughs> like it's you're when you're a grown adult, and I mean, and a lot of these people who who are harassing, like they've got wives, they've got girlfriends or boyfriends. You know, I don't want to assume they they might have kids, and it's like you know you would never perhaps treat your your wife or your kids or your spouse like this, but you're treating other women like this. You're treating other dudes like this because there's plenty of harassment that happens to men where they get called like the F word or um, homosexual slurs or racist slurs. That's ra racism we could talk about forever, but as somebody who is white, I can't really speak to the larger context of that, so it's not my place to. Um, there's it, The whole thing is that we want to be able to cultivate respect. And right now, because of the way that... Um, women are still seen in society like we're still fighting for reproductive rights we're still fighting to be taken seriously we're still fighting for body autonomy for education in some countries like a lot of that spills over into the gaming community and the gaming community is like a little microcosm of what happens in the larger world so if we look at it like that then we we need to really start cultivating a sense of of compassion and kindness in order to take that into the gaming community but it has to start with someone. It has to start with people saying, hey, you know, calling somebody uh, the F word isn't cool. Calling yeah. somebody the P word isn't cool. 
calling someone the n-word isn't cool calling um somebody the c-word isn't cool like hey maybe lay off this person because they have a feminine sounding voice maybe lay off this person because they're using um a poc avatar like it has to start with people in the community stepping up and saying something so what what do you think is like the the immediate and I, and I know you just spoke about some of those things that we can do but what do you think is is the immediate things we can do in the next six 12, 18, 24 months to help create better communities on the internet, especially for women and especially for women streamers. Um, you know, and, and, Listen to and, women. And, right. Listen yes, of course. Women. Of course. I, you know, and, and I also want to make this point is, is, you know, we see a lot of women streamers and, and uh, there's, there's, once again, it's all anecdotal. Um, you, you have a lot of people go, well, they're only, they only gain popularity because they're a woman, right? As opposed to, no, the content they're creating is valuable um can, can you speak to any of that thought process do you know any know any about you know why people push against this idea of of the female gamer all right so here here let's oh yeah well first of all first of all by you saying oh yeah that guy, i was like all right let's hit that let's address the twitch thing real quick um here's here's my opinion about so-called booby streamers uh, however, you know, let's, for, the, for the sake of, of being clean, I'll say booby streamers. Okay, thank you. As long as women are following the TOS, I don't give a damn what you do. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it, it, you, you're, they're catering to a very specific audience that want to see that content. They're not taking views from me. They're not taking views from the guy who's playing retro games. They want to see boobs. More power to them. If, if you get partner and if you get money and you're going to sustain yourself, great. I don't care. Because really, like that's not the same audience that you're getting if you want to play video. It's right. not. Yes. Um, as, if you violate the TOS, that's a different story, and you can make that argument that some streamers like border that line between the TOS. You know, so that's that's definitely an argument that can be had. But like, also notice the the majority of streamers who are at like the top, um, but most of them aren't women. They're dudes. And they're dudes playing video games for the most part. Yeah. So like, when people turn around and say, "Oh, you know, women, these women." popular streamers because they're just showing their boobs everywhere not really because if you look at like the top 10 uh streamers or even the top 20 streamers the vast majority of them aren't women so yeah, for that yeah. that argument goes right out the window mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There, there's no substantial data there's no substantial evidence saying you know that's why right um right. so that's first of all second of all um a lot of it goes down to like what i was saying earlier cultivating that sense of value or rules again however you want to describe it in your community and saying, hey, uh, I'm not gonna, you know, in my in my values, I say, hey, you know, this is an adult stream. I curse. I speak a little, a lot about my own personal experiences. Well, with, you uh, are from New health. York. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's let's. I'm from Brooklyn. It's gonna be one of those things. <laughs> I get a you know a little Brooklyn action here. I'm just saying, I'm from Brooklyn. This yeah. is the things that we do. We sit there, we express ourselves. Have with some the water. Have some coffee. Go on with it. We, we express ourselves with the vocabulary and vernacular that we grew up with. That's, That's how it right. works. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you know, like, the first thing that you see when you come into my stream is that, like, hey, it's mature, but uh, I don't put up with anybody's crap or try not to. Like, so starting base, this is just base level, the very least you can do is say, okay, um, if you say something sexist, if you say something racist, something homophobic, whatever, whatever, um, you're out. There's, there's, for me, there is zero, there, there's not even the three strikes thing. Yeah. Like if somebody comes in there and starts spamming the N word or calls me a C 
or whatever. Like you just you're out, you're done. Because mm-hmm. one, you're I out, a lot of you're people. done. <laughs> See, sometimes my accent comes back. I love it. I love it. <laughs> it's like when you said coffee before. I was like, I am, I am here for this. <laughs> that Brooklyn comes out. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's my husband in the background. <laughs> Um, but I mean, like that's it's that's that's really the baseline thing that you can do is say, you know, hey, my commute, like my community in particular, I have a lot of people that are on the spectrum. I have a lot of people that deal with depression. I have a lot of people that have anxiety or bipolar or schizophrenia, whatever. So, like coming in here and saying, oh, this is crazy, whatever. It's like, hey, like that's that's not cool. Like I'm not trying to police your language, right? And we're gonna put a pin in that for a second. <laughs> um, but uh, but that's a great you know, transition. Like, if I can, if I may. Yeah, sure. Um, to talk about um, mental health when it comes mm-hmm. to streaming and the boundaries that you have to create for yourself as a streamer. Um, oh, God, yeah. The emotional labor, if, if we took, you know, everybody came in the stream and handled everybody's emotional labor, you know, I think we'd all be breaking down on stream. But um, it's yeah. something that, that you had mentioned you want to talk about. So, so why don't you jump into that? Yeah, I mean, what I, okay, there is a particular viewer that I have who, sweetheart but um they would start messaging me every day like mm. every day before you jump into the story yeah. let me give a reminder everybody the question queue is open you can hit comma- uh, uh, exclamation point q for questions and if you want to give a follow over here to lady goggles who if you're just joining us lady goggles here uh, interviewing talking about um, right now mental health and streaming mm-hmm. um and if you want to give me a follow hit that follow button so back to you lady goggles <laughs> Um, it's important to recognize that un- unless you, you have that degree on your wall saying, I'm a certified therapist, and even then, um, n- I'm not a certified therapist. Right. You know, the, the vast majority of people who are streaming aren't certified therapists. And even if you are, it's, it's not really good HIPAA practice to be diagnosing or, or treating people online over Twitch stream. Like, it's just not. So I think there's... It's about finding a balance between like letting people vent and sharing your experiences and reducing the stigma of mental illness by saying, hey, you know, people have depression, people have anxiety. It's okay to not be okay to come up the phrase from from Take This, an organization that um, does a lot of work at the intersection of video gaming and mental illness. Fantastic organization. I highly recommend you look them up. Um, I will. But it, yeah, please. But at the same time, um, like I said, I'm not a therapist, man. And there's yeah. only so much that I can do. So, like, I, I have my own depression and, and PTSD and stuff that I have to deal with. So when I have somebody who, like, PMs me every day looking for advice, there's a point where I'm like, look, you know, I, I can't be your personal therapist. You can vent to me. It can't be every day. And I have to look after my own mental health. That's not being selfish. That's setting boundaries. Yes. I think a lot of people mistake boundary setting for being selfish and it's like no i have to look after myself i have to do this for the benefit of myself of my husband for my community if i want to keep streaming because there are some days where my depression gets so bad where it's like guys i can't even get out of bed let alone turn on the stream i can't do it and people are understanding of that it's a balance Um, it's a balance of emotional labor is like some days you are totally available to take on emotional labor and some mm -hmm. days you're just you know broken by it i know you know yesterday i i was dealing with a lot of emotional labor and I'm like, I'm, I, I can't deal with anybody else's problems today. I got to deal with my own. But right. I also, but I also think there, there's a, an emphasis for us as streamers to say, um, Hey, I hear you. 
your feelings are validated. Here are the resources you need to go. And I see a yes. lot of people out there who have the resources to suicide helpline, to mm-hmm. therapy things. Um, but I think that the the plus and the positive and negative about being available online like this and kind of putting yourself out in a public sphere is that it's so convenient to create that connection. Um, And that convenience goes, well, I'm just going to unload everything as my personal friend. And that's, um, I think a lot of people see boundaries as a rude thing. And I think it's more than that. It's like, this is, this is the, um, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't go into Hugh Jackman's home and say, "Hey, Hugh, let's hang out and and uh, I need to talk about my girlfriend who broke up with me." It's like, you know, we we all lead our lives, and and it's about respecting that boundary. Yeah, and and going back to what you were saying before, um, something I have two commands in my in my Twitch chat um, and in my Discord as well. One of them is need help, and one of them is uh, more info, I believe. Mm. And uh, my mods know about it. So if somebody comes in the chat and they're having like a serious crisis or something that we can't just like have a quick chat about, um, we post one of those commands in chat, and it's links to to take this to Checkpoint, which is another organization that does the intersection between mental health and gaming to um, resources based on country, to um, stuff you can use for like mental exercises you can do online for grounding, for, you know, doing some self-care, things like that. So I think it's important if you're going to have any emphasis at all on mental health or even just this is a place you can talk about it in your stream, um, have those resources. If for no other reason than to say, hey, I'm not a therapist, I can't help you but here are some resources you can do and check out to get some professional help. I think that's very important. That way you're one, giving them what they need and two, establishing that boundary. So you can say, you know, like, so you can tell your audience, like I want to help, but there's only so much I can do, you know, as a streamer, I, I, again, I'm not a licensed therapist. I'm, I'm just somebody who deals with a lot of the issues that a lot of my audience happens to. Right. And I can relate. And it's also and a I, gaming stream, not necessarily a therapist stream. Right. And I mean, there'll be times where like, like let's say I'm just playing fallout and we're just, we're just, you know, shooting the crap and having a conversation and somebody will talk about mental health and, you know, I'll still be playing the game, but we'll have a, a candid conversation about it. That's fine. But at the same time, it's like, look again, there's, there's, there's only so much that I can do before it's like, I, I need to stop the conversation either because it's getting too personal or because it's affecting me or because it's like, there, there's, I don't have the resources for you. But right. here's those commands that will let you do that. Yeah. Um, and going back to what you were saying about boundaries real quick, you're talking about it like being selfish. I think that goes back to, are you familiar with um, the geek social fallacies? Uh, no, but I'd love to hear about it. It's, it's fantastic. Um, I'm going to pull that up real quick. Um, so there is a set of geek social fallacies that mm. was, uh, written on somebody's WordPress, like back in 2014, um, or something like that. And long story short, it was like, you know, uh, there's this certain social fallacies, like similar to a lot of fallacies, but you know, social where, um, people talk, like some of them would be like friends, accept me who I am and friendship above all. And friendship is transitive and friends have to do everything together. These are all social fallacies. Right. But it happens a lot in geek circles. And I think a lot of that crosses over into Twitch streaming and Twitch circles, because let's face it, like a lot of people on Twitch, we're, we're kind of geeks. We're, we're nerds. Like we play video games and talk about all sorts yeah, of we're, things, right? Yeah, we're, we're, we're enthusiasts. 
Exactly. Enthusiast is a better word. Thank yeah. you. I, I say geek because I self-identify geek. Like, look, I'm just uh, this is just who I am. Like, it's, but, yeah. <laughs> but I hey, listen, we gotta live our lives. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um. Actually, I'm just gonna go ahead and and can I post a link in chat? Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I hope it works. Right. Uh. Let's see. Nope. Delete the link. Okay. Ah! <laughs> uh. If you send it to me on Discord, I will post it in. All right. And I, and I also want to make sure I got your link correct in chat. Uh, yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, so, uh, while I do this link here, uh, I want to let everybody know that, uh, I'm interviewing here Lady Goggles, talking about mental health in streams, um, talking about women in gaming, um, and if you've got a, uh, a question, hit, uh, exclamation Q, and it'll go into the Q, and we'll talk about it after we're done talking. Yeah. Back to so- you, Lady Goggles. <laughs> so, so long story short, the reason why I'm linking to that, it's, one, it's a, it's a really good reason. And when I first saw this, I was like, oh, my God, like two of these are me. But also because we, we tend to take a lot of this stuff that we do. Again, if you're a geek, nerd, enthusiast, whatever. Right. Apply it into our Twitch communities. And then people will turn around and say, oh, if you don't want to listen to my problems, you're a jerk. And it's like, nah, man, I'm setting boundaries. Mm-hmm. There's there's things that I have to do for my mental health, for for my life. And it's not because I don't want to hear you. It's not because I don't want to be a bad I want to, I want to be a bad friend to you. It's because mentally and emotionally there's only so much you can take as a streamer like especially like if you're a streamer and i i have i'm fortunate in that my husband works full-time so i can do this from home and not have to worry about it um but there are streamers out there who have kids yeah. who work full-time or part-time jobs or both who go to college who like they've got a lot on their plate to deal with you know and then when somebody comes into the stream and and they want to just dump everything on them it's like you know, hey, I'm I'm flattered that you you want to 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 share this with me. You know, thank you for trusting me with this personal information. Um, you know, I, I really appreciate it. I am flattered, but I can't really do a lot to help you. I yeah. can point you in directions, but I, I need to set these boundaries. And that's not selfish. That's you looking out for yourself. I also, you know, and going back to what we discussed earlier uh, in the podcast of talking about audiences self-selecting. And that mm. if you set those boundaries and an audience member does not want to respect those boundaries or they feel like those boundaries are, you know, not for them, then they self-select out. And once mm-hmm. again, it's this idea of like not trying to please everyone, just trying to get the audience that works for your personality and cultivating around there. Because then what happens, and I've experienced this, is – and I experienced experienced, uh, experienced this – in Ashney's stream, is if somebody does something that's transgressive to the community, the community will say, hey, you know, we're all here in this kind of lane, and you're coming in in this little lane. If you want to stay here, this is the atmosphere that we're trying to create here. And if it's not, there are many other streamers out there to experience. But yeah, it's about and- but, but it's about if, if, if they don't want to respect your boundaries, then uh, you can have them self-select or you, you have them get selected out for you yeah i've i've had somebody who i i consider to be like you know a, a close uh twitch friend who um they were they were crossing some of these boundaries that i set and i'm like hey look you know it's it's not cool like you can you can have respectful disagreements with people like we cultivate conversation and if you disagree that's of course that's fine just you know talk but when you when you get into the personal when you get into the the attacks based on ad hominem um, that's when it crosses a line. And to 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 my community's credit, and who are amazing, like my regulars are amazing. 
wonderful people, they'll they'll be the first person to say like, "Hey, man, that's not cool. That's not what we're about. Like, cut the crap." Or you know, another word, but again, mature audience. Um, and this cut person the left. Poop. Yeah, cut the, the poop. poop. <laughs> but this person left, and um, you know, like part of that hurt because I had a, a a good relationship. Like we would talk in DMs every once in a while. I was a good friend, and then they just dropped off Twitch, like my Twitch channel entirely. So, um, you know, it, it hurt, but it's like, you know what, um, if, if it means my losing a friend or my community getting hurt, I, I have to make a choice. And ultimately I chose my community because it's more important to make sure that they feel that they have a space where we can laugh, we can have a good time, we can talk about serious stuff, we can cry if we need to, whatever. Um, and if I'm not for this person, then I'm not for that person. Yeah. And again, there's there's tens of thousands of other streamers that you can check out and, and act the way you want to act on their stream. Totally. Uh, I want to talk about maybe one or more two topics, then we'll get to the questions. If you do have a question, sure. type in exclamation Q in the Q, and we'll answer your question shortly. Um, but I know you wanted to possibly talk about um, games as art, characterization, plots, and that kind of stuff. Uh, is oh, that... I love it. Let's go. Do it. <laughs> Take me to the... Take me to gaming history town. Oh, God. Well, gaming history, we can be here all day. Okay. But um, <laughs> I, I think it's like, oh, no, really, I could uh, at length. But um, so I know we want to get to questions and stuff. So like, yeah, yeah. for me, I, I compare, because this is the closest comparison that I have. I compare gaming to uh, film media. And obviously, it's not the same. We're talking about interactivity. But I'm yep. talking yeah, about yeah. just in terms of its infancy. Gaming as we know it as it is right now, has been around since the 80s or mm -hmm. so, right? Mm -hmm. So we're looking at almost like 35, 40 years. Um, so we're still at a place where we are fighting to gain legitimacy in the eyes of, of the, the quote-unquote high art world, right? So, yeah. I mean, film had that same issue back, you know, even in the golden age when, when it was still cultivating. Photography, oh my god, photography, um, when, when it first became a, a, a medium that people, you know, artists could use. It was like, oh, this isn't as good as paintings, and it's just a, a lazy way out. Like, all of the medium, cartooning, oh my god, we can talk about cartooning and, and how that wasn't respected until, you know, Disney, you know, with Snow Wright, and even then. Like, all of the, the new forms of art that we've had, especially in the, the 20th century, um, started off not being taken seriously. So I think it's important. I think we're at a stage where gaming can be considered art. And I don't just mean like the quote unquote walking simulators, you know, and even then those have their merit. Like I'm such a huge fan of the Walking Dead series, like season mm. one, oh, don't even get me started. But like, look at games like Flower, like Journey, like Ico, like Shadow of the Colossus, right? Um, new, in numerous, you know, other games that I can mention. There are games that are strictly there to use the medium as a means to convey a message. And that's great. Even games like Gears of War or Halo or Metal Gear Solid, there are, there are themes in all of these goofy stories, Metal Gear Solid especially, and I say this as a fan, that talk about like anti-war message and the importance of uh, self-censoring or, or, or you know worrying about privacy or the um, the ramifications of like child soldiers in war like there's all these themes that a lot of people can potentially miss if all you're doing is going out and shooting or just blasting through a game or whatever so there's a lot of potential for games as art I think the issue stems um, there's been a lot of kickback against academic research in mm. gaming because mm. I think a lot of people and this is just me speculating so if I'm wrong I'm wrong um, who are like oh if you 
look into this academically, you're ruining the enjoyment. Can't you just sit back and play a game and enjoy it? It's like, well, why can't you just sit back and enjoy a film? Why can't you just sit back and enjoy a photo? Like, Well, I want to say this. I come from a performance background. I cannot mm -hmm. sit back and watch a film. Because I am, right. I am in it the whole time, like going like, okay, this camera shot and this movie, and why do they put this here? I just saw a Bohemian Rhapsody, and there was a mm -hmm. moment where there was a pinball machine being in the scene with these guys, and I go, why did they choose the pinball machine? Why is that word in there? Why did they choose this time? It's like, I, I, I have to. If you have a point of view about something in art, I have mm -hmm. to go tell me about that point of view, and I have to right. dissect it. And as somebody who, like I said, I got my, my bachelor in, uh, in media production, but when I watch films, it's hard for me to turn that side of my brain off. Like, oh, we yeah. just recently oh, yeah. watched, um, what the hell was it? We watched uh, uh, Wreck-It Ralph. Mm. And I know it's, it's, it's mostly a kid's film or whatever, but to me it was like, this plot is sort of disconnected. Why did they choose that shot? The sound design isn't that great. What happened to this subplot? Like, it's, this is all stuff that I think about. And as somebody who has been as inundated with games as I have... I, I start to to look at things like, huh, I wonder why they went with this characterization with this skill instead of this. Why did yeah, they yeah. why did they dress this character like this? Why did this plot go there? Why did this uh, jump mechanic work in the cutscene but not in the game? Like, they're academically studying games does not take away the enjoyment of the games from anybody else. It's just a group of people who are saying, hey, if we want to take games more seriously as an art form, which many people in the gaming community do. You can't turn around and then say, "Well, you can't look at games critically." That's there, there's 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 That's a big like disconnect. That's like the antithesis of art. Exactly. Like, yeah. Like if if you are willing to turn around and say your argument is gaming is art and games should be seen as art, then okay, now we're at a point where we can study games as art. Let's look at the messages that they're saying. Let's look at the themes that they're talking about. Let's look at cultivation theory, which I brought up before. Um, let's see the way games treat minorities, treat women. Yep. Yep. Treat men treat you know th these are things that we should be looking at and for mm -hmm. somebody to turn around and say i'm sorry i'm getting heated about this no you're passionate somebody, about it i love it i'm all about it when when somebody turns around and then says oh you studying games are you studying harassment it's it's ruining my enjoyment it's not mutually exclusive nobody's saying that you can't enjoy these games right what we're saying is that if you're making the argument you then have to be willing to deal with the cultural and uh intellectual criticism Right, that people are going to experience it in their own way and, and have yep. their own subjective feelings about it and then have a discussion about that. And that's what's cool about art is everybody takes it in a different way. Um, well, that's been an amazing conversation. I'm so happy you're here to talk about that. But for now, I want to go out to the audience to chat. Now's your time for questions. Um, questions for me, questions for Lady Goggles, if you want links, if you want anything. Now's time to go, but I'm going to go to the queue and uh, check out some questions right now. And the first sure. question I have here, where is my cue? There it is. Okay, so this one, this one is really bizarre, but I kind of like it a lot. Um, so <laughs> the question is uh, from Plant Lamp, and Plant Lamp asks, um, do you think there are latent animal reproduction traits that haven't been fully evolved out of humans yet? That don't fit in where we have evolved to socially, since we have social uh, we have socially changes so rapidly in recent history um, that impact our actions. So that um, hmm. you know, our because we still have somewhat of an animal brain, um, we uh, 
we still operate in kind of an animalistic way in like uh, mm-hmm. maybe in interpreting this of like tribalism of like you know video games is my thing and if somebody out there who isn't part of my tribe enjoys video games then get out hmm. you know what I mean that's an interesting question I, I don't know I look at things from more of a soft science quote unquote soft science like a sociological perspective sure so I, I can't speak to the biological um, plant of uh, I think plant lamp was asking about the reproductive traits I can't speak to that I can I can make an educated guess with the rest of your question though right um technology has evolved so rapidly in the 20th century alone yeah um we went from you know horse-drawn carriages to uh jet planes that can cross the atlantic in a couple of hours to to the internet like nobody could conceive of the internet back in 1900 so like there's society and advances have have grown tremendously in the last century um but i i think there is um some of that where we we look at the way the technology advances and then we go this is going too much we can't keep up with it um there's still issues as far as like you know like getting kids to balance going outside and going on their internet with with people getting uh, addicted to social media and things like that um but to answer your question i all of the research that i've done suggests that even though okay so like biologically speaking you know, men are typically larger, stronger. Men, women tend to be uh, more lithe and more like like fat around the stomach and things like that. So, like, um, there's there's differences biologically, but a lot of the stuff that we've we've dealt with in history were, were cultural. Like, make no mistake, even going back as far as the Greeks and the Romans, uh, women were seen as 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 property. Women were or uh, minorities were seen, you know, as as chattel, as as slaves. So, like, I don't know how much of it is biological as opposed to how much of it has been socially cultivated throughout mm. centuries of human existence. Mm. I can't make that argument. I can suggest that a lot of it is cultural. Yeah. Um, we could definitely make the argument, and this is going to kind of be tangential, but so I'm not going to get too into it, but, like, religion has been a huge factor in the way that we treat minorities and women. Um, and it's no uh, exaggeration to say that the, the Catholic Church especially has been uh, a big influencer in history mm-hmm. for thousands of years. So how much of that is biological and how much of that is social? I would argue that more of that was, was social and cultural based on what the, the ruling uh, organization was. Right, right. So I, I can't answer that question, Plant, but it, it's, an, it's an excellent question. I, I, if I had to make an educated guess... I would say it definitely is more to do with the social and cultural aspects of how we treat each other as opposed to the biological. Um, I could be totally wrong, just just sure. upfront. But I, I think we need to do more to um, look into the way in which we socialize with each other and the way that we, like, for example, um, there's been numerous studies out there that show that we we prime girls from a very young age to be quiet, to be timid, to not really answer stuff, to kind of just focus on looking pretty and not saying, you know what I mean? And boys to be like the leaders, to to study math, you know what I mean? So like, um, there's something to be said for more investigation into that. Yeah, I'm sorry I, I can't answer your question, but it's 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 a big question, and I just don't have the answer. Well, culturally, also, you know, the two things that sprung out of my head as you were talking was one is like as the industrial revolution started taking hold, people started having something called leisure time that they'd never had before oh, yeah. in their oh, yeah. life. Um, and it, it, I, I, I don't know the exact statistics and I'm maybe just speaking out of my, my butt here, but that alcohol sales went up. 
because people were like, well, what do I do? I guess I just got a drink. Um, the other one, the other one is the idea of marriage as a concept of love is a, mm-hmm. is a new cultural concept where, yes, as you speak before, like women were seen as property and men were, you know, the, the people who held the property and, at, and also, you know, arranged marriages and all that stuff. Um, and so in, in the course of human history, um, marriage for love is a relatively new concept, but it's cultural. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and it's there's there's so many nuances to what Plant is asking that in 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 I would be intellectually direct if I tried to answer them all on because I don't have that knowledge. I'll be totally upfront about it, but at the same time, I I think it's absolutely something that's worth looking into. Um, and and you bring up a really great point about leisure time. If it wasn't for the fact that we had uh, unions fighting for eight hour workdays so that we can spend more time with our families, so we can spend more time at home. Um, we can have the weekends to ourselves. Um, we we wouldn't be able to do things like play video games. Ultimately, like it's it's a big stretch, you know, to to go from union and, and union busting and all that problems to video games, but it's it's all connected. Yeah, and um, and, and Plant does have a follow up question and ask, what is leisure time, Kappa? What is, <laughs> uh, what is leisure you, time? You find out and Kappa. you let me know. Spent. Uh, either sleeping, cleaning uh, with my husband, or being on the stream. So. Right. Um, oh, I just deleted one. Oh, here we go. Um, so this next question is from the Honduras Jones. Thank you. Um, how does the recent Gillette ad help move this conversation forward um, with you know women streamers and 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 that? Um, wondering if broadcasting the solution is the antidote to how we broadcast the problem in media. That's a great question, and I love it. So, for those of you who don't know, the recent ad was like, "Hey, as men, uh, we better. We should be treating uh, the young men that we are raising to not go, to, not do things like resort to violence or objectify women, etc." And there was a huge backlash by the MRA community and mm. other parts of other internet communities. And I think that's a fantastic step. Now, you have to look at it with kind of a, a squinty eye because Gillette is also looking at the data, which is saying that culturally we're skewing a little more progressive for the most part. There's, you know, questions, conversations we have there. Right. Um, is it a saying, capitalistic hey, choice or is it a... You could make that argument that they're they're trying to capitalize on the fact that we're starting to have serious conversations about toxic masculinity and the way that we treat women and, and other men. So you could you can certainly make that argument. Right. But if you're looking at it from a less cynical viewpoint, and I admit that I'm a little cynical. Me too. Um, <laughs> You could, you could absolutely make that argument. And this goes back to what I was talking about earlier. Again, this all goes back to cultivation theory. Um, so if you start having better representation in media, if you start having things like men treating other men with respect, not immediately resorting to violence, or not using violence as the, the go-to answer, if, you see, if we see media that is treating women with respect, that is treating minorities with respect, that is treating fat people with respect, that is treating... Like, it's, if, if we see more and more media focus on nonviolent solutions and treating other people with respect regardless of where they are on the spectrum of class, race, gender, uh, uh, sexual spectrum, gender expression, etc. Like, the more we see of that, the better we'll be able to... Uh, Sorry. No, it's okay. The better we'll be able to, to fight that battle because we're normalizing it. We're taking something that was once on the niche... I mean, look at the LGBT community. I'm saying this as somebody who's bi... 
Um, Hell yeah. It was, it was, it was very, very dangerous to oh, come yeah. out as gay, lesbian, bi, whatever, you know. And then over the last uh, 30, 40 years, we've made it so that we can, for the most part in America, we should at least safely say, um, hey, this is who I am. Not in all parts of America, certainly not in all parts of the world. Um, but it's at least becoming more culturally acceptable to to be on the LGBT plus spectrum, just for yes. the sake of, of shortening it. Yeah. So um, it's important to realize that normalizing these things will in the media will help spread that to society it's a feedback loop it's a feedback loop we were going back to earlier so the more we see it in culture the more we see it in the media the more we see it in media the more we see it in culture and that's where cultivation theory is if we see it positive or negative we're going to assume that that's the way it is in real life so it is absolutely vital that we have more positive representation of women poc of you know insert marginalized community here because the more we see of that, the better I think it'll be for people um, outside of the media. And again, it's not it's not just the media that's responsible. We're also responsible for treating each other with kindness yeah. and compassion. Yeah. But I think media representation is a large part of it. And I think it's very important. All right. Well, that's the end of our stream. Um, thank you so much, Lady Goggles, for joining us. Let's give her a big round of applause. Yay. I wish I had my applause sound effect. I don't have it right now. Um, but with that uh, being said, thank you for joining us. We'll be having another one soon. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you in the next episode of Tater Talk. <laughs>